0: Hey, this is John Lee Dumas, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. And if you're wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannoutsis. He's prepared to ignite.
2: And personal well being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today. And if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in a fast moving world. And I want to welcome you to today's episode. Yes, another mashup here with you today. And I'm thoroughly enjoying this uh, mashup side of things. So, I had a listener send me a message today to say that he listened to the podcast this morning and he thought that the quality is fantastic, the information was fantastic, and to keep up the great work. So it was really, really nice to hear or get that message from somebody and uh, really appreciate it. So thank you, listeners. Hey, if you haven't already uh, checked out the episode 00, go ahead and do that. That's my story and why I started this episode. It's only about three to four minutes long, but worthwhile having a listen to. You know, we've been going for about 11 months, and it's really been tremendous support. But also, in that support, we've also launched a Facebook group and a LinkedIn page, and we have a growing community of leaders who are joining us on those two different platforms. So that's a Facebook group and a LinkedIn page. Leadership is changing. Well, today it's mashup, we're bringing you four fantastic guests that I've had on the show in the past. Neil Milliken, who is on episode 38. Neil is the Global Head of Accessibility for ATOS, which is an IT company, and uh, he and I talk about leadership is changing, of course, but in particular, he's talked about the disability side of things in organisations and the way organisations look at that kind of aspect of the diversity and inclusion space in their organisation. The second guest is Maya Bairaft, Mayer is in episode 40, and he's the Vice President for Global Strategic Alliances for Hewlett-Packard Enterprise. And he's a fantastic guy who I've got to know over the years and thoroughly enjoyed having him on as a guest. The third guest is Don Robinson, who's on episode 41. Don is the Chief HR Officer for Northwestern Mutual. And Don and I used to know, well, we still do know each other, of course, but um, we uh, worked to, together and I got to support Don quite a bit in the relation to a lot of top talent programs that I facilitated and worked on. And while Don was in his uh, very senior HR role, and uh, a tremendous guy, shares some really great wisdoms in this portion of the mashup. Nihar Bagaria is from episode 43. Niha is the founder and CEO of an organization called Jobs For Her. And uh, Niha is a wonderful lady and is sharing some great insights as well. Maya, Nia, and others around the world, and particularly from India, hey, uh, my thoughts are going out to you and your family and friends and so forth in India as they're going through the COVID and pandemic side. Also out to other countries and families and friends that we have around the world. Thoughts are going out to you as well during this time, of course, for some countries going into third, fourth wave, going into lockdowns again. Our thoughts and prayers are out to you and uh, wishing you all the very best as you go through that. So, hey, listeners, sit back now and listen and take notes and listen to our wonderful guests. Enjoy. Hey, the other thing I would ask you here is, the name of the show is
3: Leadership is Changing. Well, what does that mean for you when I say that statement? So I I believe that we, as leaders, need to be more human. Mm. Uh, I I think that for far too long, we've had this sort of Taylorian management view of what leadership should be, you know, time and motion, you know, command and control. And actually, it's about trust. If you really want a well-performing organization, it's about trust. It's about being human. It's why I talk about my disabilities, because they're hidden. No one need know. They may just think I'm an idiot, right, because I'm late or, or spell things wrong. But I talk about it because I believe that that's a leadership issue. And if I want people to change, then I need to be part of that and I need to lead by example. And I think that that actually when we show our humanity and our, our fallibility and we talk about it, then that makes people believe in us as human beings and want to engage with us because I believe that that we we are only going to bring forward businesses through consensus and 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 the will of our employee base. Yeah.
2: So it's like you humanize and uh, you, know, you, the, you show the human side of you as you said. There's the vulnerability side of it as well that's been shown. But then uh, I think that's with with all of that combination that's where the trust is actually formed. Yeah. And I think that's just a beautiful combination, right, that it all comes together. So more or less people can relate to you rather than being that thing out there as a leader, the command and control, as you're saying. But not everyone can relate to that. But if you are human and being you, it's amazing what will actually happen.
3: Yeah. I I, I don't think that you can motivate through fear for a long period of time. You can do it for a short period of time. You You can force your will upon people. But long-term, it it, it it won't work. So you either have you know, massive employee churn and terrible engagement and, and low morale, which has an impact on your on your company, or people just sort of stop doing what you want to do. And so you have to bring <laughs> yeah. people along with you. And I think that's, that's really key in, in an area like I'm in, which has not been flavor of the month. I've had to use persuasion to get this onto the leadership agenda. Because it, you know people don't perceive, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a top money-making item. And CSR, much higher up the agenda now this decade than it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago when I started doing assistive tech. But, um, but actually, I, I, I had to persuade people. Uh, and that means that you have to be human, you have to be relatable, and you have to talk in the language that they understand. So if you're doing your business case to your, your C-suite, then you have to talk to them. In, in their language, but equally, if you're you're talking to people at Coalface, you need to be talking in their language. There's no point using acronyms and management speak the whole time. Yeah, so adjust to the audience, in other words, who's in front of you, and then
2: make sure you adjust to the, yeah, yeah, that's great. And I use, I mean, uh, for a lot of organizations, you know, the disability side and inclusion, I, I mean, for some of them, I'm sure that there is a tick in the box, and they're just doing something there for, to get that tick in the box, but where I think it's actually more than that, right? I mean, it's, the, how do you look at it with with uh, with the companies that you see, what you're
3: seeing in the industry around the disability, and so forth? So. Let's be clear, it's not a niche issue. There are between 1 and 1.3 billion people in the world with a disability. So that's either the population of either India or China. So who wouldn't want to address a a cohort of the population of that size? It's crazy not to. Then as, as, as societies, we also are aging rapidly. So we have this rapidly aging global population. We need to deal with the mega trend of that because what we've also got is like this inverted pyramid where the older people who we traditionally supported through the sort of the financial contributions of the younger people. Yep. It's not going to work anymore because there are more older people than there are younger people. And the younger people are more indebted than the older people. So then we have to find ways to enable the older people to be active and self-supporting and, and make society sustainable. Now, that has huge economic value. Uh, Gartner estimated that the global disability market's worth something like $8 trillion. Now, that's a, a sort of halo, but it's still a huge sum of money. And it's it, you know it's it's like the defence budget for for a, a, a couple of large com- countries, right? so mm. so so that kind of money should interest businesses. So these people are are around us. They're in our companies. They're people like me. It's the only diversity group that any of us can join at any time in our lives. It's intersectional and pretty much. If you live long enough, you're pretty much 100% guaranteed to end up with a disability because age and disability are interrelated. So, so that's that's why it's it, it's it's kind of worth engaging. But then I also actually people have this kind of idea that you want it to be a charitable thing. I have no problem with making good money out of doing good things, and I think that that businesses can have viable business models doing good stuff. Yeah. Why is it only okay for businesses to make money doing bad things? Why Why should we mm. make more money out of destroying the planet than building it up? I, th- I think, th- and that is where leadership and mindsets and 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 the global consciousness is changing, right? We, to bring it back to your the theme of your podcast, that's where the real change is happening because I think that there there is a a real change in people's mindsets about we need to do something different we need to do business different and we need to restructure our society and i think that covid19 has probably just pressed the accelerator pedal on that yep yep totally agree and
2: uh yeah so leaders mindsets and people looking at things differently do you know um so you you may not know, Neil, but uh, some of my listeners do know. And, and that is I went through a period of time whereby my vo- my voice became very hoarse. And long story short, after so many years, they found a the tumor on my left vocal cord. And for me, a lot of it was this is my tool to be able to speak and do the executive coaching, the facilitation, the podcast and so forth. Uh, it's not a hammer. It's not a computer. It's not a printer. It's the voice. And so there was no support groups in our area or actually in the country around voice dysphonia that we could see. And so trying to do that and still working for a large global corporate and and then struggling at times, it was really, really quite interesting to see and actually experience. So I think, um, you know, there's a guy that's got talent, according to the people I work with, who are saying, yeah, but yeah okay, he's got a raspy voice. Um, but then it was, for me, emotionally to go through that was quite hard. But then... You know, we just, we as a team looked at it, we addressed it, we got on with it and uh, moved forward with it, which was really quite good to have that kind of support. Where I know there's a whole of other leaders who don't support people with the disabilities and so forth. And I think that's really quite interesting how you, you're talking about the leader's mindset. We need to understand things. We need to do things. We need to do it. It's okay to do it. But the leader's mindset may need to change around some things as well going forward. Hence, yeah. leadership is changing. Uh, Mayer? This show is called Leadership is Changing, and that's a term that I'm using quite a bit. And so when I say leadership is changing, what does that mean for you?
0: Yeah, so we live in a very uh, dynamic environment today, Dennis. You know, you take into account what has happened over the last uh, six months with the COVID-19 situation, which at least I think in my lifetime has been uh, unprecedented. Uh, I'm sure that's the case for most uh, people have not seen anything like this. I think as you're growing up, you know, you have been a learning and development coach par excellence for all of us at Hewlett-Packard Enterprise. We have discussed a lot about leadership styles. You know, we have discussed about, again, leaders in the corporate world, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs. There are a lot of articles written about all these people and how they have rose to uh, corporate excellence and prominence in the work that they have done. But when you think of leadership today... I feel that leadership has evolved to such an extent where you cannot say that this is my leadership style because we live in today in a VUCA environment. Uh, I think VUCA as a concept is known to many people, but for those of them who are hearing this term called VUCA for the first time, it stands for uh, Volatility, Uncertainty, Complexity, and Ambiguity, V-U-C-A. So I think if you look at what's happened over the last six months, we are in an ideal VUCA environment. I don't think you, me, or anybody else can predict what's going to happen tomorrow. So it's an extreme VUCA environment. And I think when you are in a VUCA environment, your leadership style has to be one of extreme adaptability. You have to change as a leader on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, depending on the situation that surrounds you. So I myself have moved away from this ethos of, you know, many times in an interview, sometimes people will ask you, what is your leadership style? Then you will say, I believe in leading by example, you could give several leadership traits. Uh, traits sorry, But I think the biggest thing today, when I think about disruption and leadership, it's that you just cannot say that this is my leadership style. You have to adopt to this Voka environment and your leadership style has to be very flexible and dynamic to maintain the pace of change that's happening in the industry and the macroeconomic situation that the world is faced with.
2: Yeah great. So team listeners I'm here with Mayer, and we're we're talking about uh, leadership is changing of course and he's just talking about that today's leader leadership is changing and answering that question that you need to adapt to the VUCA environment whereby you've got volatility uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity, and that we can't just say that we've got one certain leadership style anymore, that we are changing so much and so often and so quickly and probably so frequently that we have to stay flexible and be able to move an environment to maintain change, but also lead organizations going forward. And Maya, that's really interesting how you shared it that way, because we know that one thing is constant and that's change, and it's, it's, yeah. it's happening a lot. Now the show is called Leadership is Changing, and that term uh, leadership is changing. When I say that, what what does that mean for you, Don?
1: Well, I think, I think years ago, being a leader meant you had a big title, you had the hierarchy. It was always everybody was chasing the brass ring. It was, you know, and I, I tell people all the time, everybody wants the compensation and the title and the privileges of leadership. But m- many times people don't really want the responsibility of leadership. Um, right. Today, leaders, to me, t- to be a great leader, you have to be, first and foremost, a multiplier of talent. You have, mm. to, be the, you have to be someone who is identifying talent, growing talent. Uh, you know, mentoring talent, recognizing talent and moving talent around the organization. You know, oftentimes if we have a great person that works for us, we don't want to let them go. But the responsibility you have is to seed the rest of the organization with great talent that you develop and grow and develop. And I think, you know, it's not so much anymore about your title and your trappings. Those things still are important, but it's more about the experience that you have, the the ability to recognize and grow talent and, and, and often, and it's important that when you put somebody in a leadership position, that they do have the experience that it's okay that they are, are, um, maybe a little green or maybe they're not quite ready, but let me give you an example. You know, oftentimes I'll see leaders get moved into a position and they don't have the experience to draw from to know what to do in situations and, and you know they may know intuitively what to do but if mm-hmm. you don't have real life examples of where you've dealt with it it's hard sometimes to be able to do it a great example is hey dennis you know how to drive a car right and yep. you drive on the opposite side of the road as, as i do oh um, you mean
2: on the on, on the right side of the road yeah, the right
1: yeah. Side of the road. but um <laughs> you um yeah and you know your area and you go to work you drive to your grocery store you drive yes. home but if i took you and dropped you in the middle of south america You still know how to, and put you in a car that you never drove before on the other side of where you drive right now and told you to go to a location. You still intuitively know how to drive. But as you're as you're getting in the car, you're not familiar with how it operates, as you're moving to where you're going to next, you have to look at maps. You're slower, you're not as because you haven't done it before. But after a few months in that location, you would be just as efficient as you are where you are. Yeah. So the more that we have actual tangible experiences to draw from, the quicker our ability to ramp, the quicker our ability to react, the more the more we're able to use our our more advanced part of our brain rather than just the rudimentary part.
2: Yeah, that's a, great, that's a great example there, Don, and, and you're right. I mean, I think that, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I remember every time I was coming to the U.S. to do events and things like that, and I, I would get off the plane and then have to jump in a car, a rental car, and then be on the different side of the car driving and then on a different yep. side of the road while also being jet-lagged and, yep. um, and that whole combination yeah, sort of struggled. You're but not then, at your best. You're not at your best. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're not at your best. And so, yeah, it's really interesting. Hey, something you said before about a responsibility for mm-hmm. – for this growing, this talent, there, but sometimes we don't want to see them go. And at the time, the number of times I've seen leaders get upset that their this person that they've grown and so forth is mm-hmm. going, moving on to another role. Well, what, what would you be? One or two things you might say to those leaders who do get upset and 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 don't want to let go of their people.
1: Well. I think the thing that I would be saying to those leaders is, wow, that's great. You've done a great job. You've developed a future leader that's now moving on in the organization. And in fact, I challenge companies to measure a leader's success, not Uh by how strong their own team is, but how many people that used to work for them that are now up in senior positions around the company. And in fact, one of the things I liked about Jack was he used to measure that. They used to measure that at GE. If you were a leader- that developed, let's say, 10 people that were in the top box of a nine box, that was actually seen as a very strong thing. And you were you were compensated for that. You were rewarded for doing that. It's so it you need to as a company, you need to value, put more value on the development of leaders rather than your own team. I mean, one of the things I'm most excited about. When I came to Milwaukee, here I am coming to Milwaukee, a city I don't know, and I and about six or seven people that have worked for me at HP and previous three or four companies, they've joined me. The fact that people have worked for me, you know, in other parts of the country, other companies, and they want to come join me tells me, you know, they, they must think I'm doing something to help them grow and develop their careers. Sure. Yeah. And, and by the way, they've worked for me. They've done great things and they've left and gone taking bigger jobs and then they've come back. So, you know, our jobs as leaders is to really take the talent and grow and develop it and then set it free. Let it, let it, cause you know, we're, I, as much as I like to think of myself as a good leader, there's other things they can learn besides just working for me. So I would tell that person, you know, take pride in the fact you're developing leaders for the rest of the organization. And who knows that person may want to come back and work for you someday. Yeah. And, and Dennis, one final thing on that, the more sure. that you can demonstrate to your people that you care about their career more than you care about your own, the more that they're going to actually help help you, the more that they're going to believe in you. Because when employees, you know, when your people think about what's important to them, they want to, they want to be compensated competitively. They want to be recognized for the contributions they give. They want to work for leaders who will grow and develop them, who care about them and will mentor them, leaders who will inspire them, who will give them hope, purpose, who will give them a vision, where they want to work in an environment where they can grow and develop and move up. And they want to work with colleagues they enjoy and have the tools and technology to do their jobs and do them effectively. Mm -hmm. And if you get those things right, that's what a leader's responsibility is.
2: Oh, fantastic, Don! Yeah, and I, I, you know what? I, I just watch. I remember you and I sitting in a room in the Philippines, and then I'm also there's another example too of you and I sitting in another room in Palo Alto, and we had talent around us, and you had individuals working for you, mm-hmm. and then the other one where that uh, was working for another very senior executive. Um, but just to watch. Both of those those groups and the roles I've gone off to go and do and um, and see how they've succeeded and see mm-hmm. how you've actually inputted into their life, their careers and so forth has been tremendous to see it. And it's it's not just people talking about it; it's actually watching it happen mm-hmm. and actually being part of it as well. And I think mm-hmm. that you're so right. And I think that's the success of the leader. It's our success story. Watching others go off to to do very well.
1: Hey, I'm um, Don. Gone. Yeah. No, I was going to say, Dennis, remember we created the MAP program, the Management Association program for uh, for HP, for the junior HR people. And if you remember, I always made my chief of staff position when I was in uh, Singapore, a, a MAP. I always wanted a MAP and I rotated one every six months. And the reason why I did that is you give somebody young and talented exposure to what it means to be a senior leader. It's yep. amazing how it fast tracked their career. And almost every single person who was a map for me at the, in that time and after that has gone on to be a CHRO or a senior HR person at, at, at large environments. I can't even tell you how many, you know, have and some people multiple times. It's incredible how you how how uh, if you give talent the right opportunities how they'll take advantage of it and move and, and and grow from it
2: yeah yeah just give them the opportunity let them fly let them let their wings spread yeah. and where they go yeah. hey tell me so the show here is called leadership is changing now when i say that statement to you what does that mean for you
4: for me frankly leadership is changing means that we're going to have more and more women leaders in the times to come and just by having more and more women leading companies, leading governments, leading institutions, you're going to see a huge change in just leadership skills, leadership capabilities, because there are a lot of diverse capabilities and skills that women bring to the table. And I don't want to uh, you know, get into gender stereotyping here because no. there are enough men also who bring a lot of uh, those leadership skills. But overall, you will see women bringing in, bringing in a huge amount of empathy to the leadership skills. They will bring in a lot of strong communication. They will bring in a lot of multitasking, a lot of getting people together to come to a collective decision-making versus, you know, autocracy. Um, and I feel like a lot of the uh, handling of the COVID pandemic, also you can see the kind of female leadership versus mm-hmm. the male leadership in handling these at a country level. And I think that's what you will see as time comes comes along.
2: It almost sounds like you're talking about there's going to be a little bit more collaborative type of leadership, and um, but also bring in multiple skills, multiple talent, multiple things will be uh, approached at the same time. But I think you're right. I mean, it's it's really good to see. And, I, and I've I've had many uh, female leaders in my career, and to be honest, I've thoroughly enjoyed them. Uh, I think it's been uh, wonderful to be able to report into or have my boss and their boss and so forth as as, as a female great. I mean, it's just a totally different experience from a male leader. But at the end of the day, a leader's a leader, right? And it really comes down to what they can do for the organization and lead, and, and, it's, and it's been great. And you can tell, whether it's male or female, those leaders who have been inspiring, and then there's those leaders who have been the diminishers, if I can put it that way. We're holding people back. And so, um, yeah, so wonderful to, to hear what you say about that you think leadership is changing going forward. You're going to see more females into leadership roles going forward. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Hey, listeners, really hope you enjoyed that mashup because I tell you what, it was fantastic to be able to pull that together, in particular with Neil, Maya, Don and Neha, who were wonderful guests who are sharing their wisdom and thoughts around the question, leadership is changing. What does that mean to you? So, yeah, just wonderful to be able to do that. Hey, team, what I would really appreciate is that if you could share this podcast with your friends, your family, your network, the other thing I would love you to do is actually put a review and a rating. The reviews and ratings really help this podcast a lot, and uh, you may have seen uh, of late that I posted on social media that the podcast went to number six in the business management category, and it was just wonderful to see. So if you would uh, do that for us, that we, we would really appreciate it because the more the reviews and ratings and comments and people sharing, it actually helps with the visibility of the podcast, Leadership is Changing, which is wonderful. Hey, if you haven't already joined us on the platforms of Facebook and also LinkedIn, the Facebook group and the LinkedIn page, Leadership is Changing, go ahead and do that. We'd love to see you there and join us. And so, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and the unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. As I said before, look out for the episodes as they're being released, download them, put a review and a rating. Hey, if there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show, or if there's a question you have for my guests as I'm interviewing them, or for me on the Ask Dennis episode, send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning in. It's always a pleasure being with you. Until next time, bye for now.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.